0: You're listening to Real Investor Radio with Craig Fuhrer and Jack Bevere, where we cover advanced real estate investing topics to help you stay ahead of the curve in your real estate investing business. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Real Investor Radio. I'm Craig Fuer with famed investor Jack Bevere.
1: <laughs> hey,
0: guys. How's it going? Good to see you, Craig. It is great to see everyone. Jack, good to see you. This is episode, oh, where are we here? Episode 19. Uh, we're currently recording in the month of October. These should be out uh, very shortly for everybody. And uh, in our last discussion, if you guys didn't catch it, you probably should. Um, we talked at length, Jack and I just this time, no guest. Uh, we talked sort of about um, our feelings on the economy. Uh, just really a big sort of a macro and micro talk on predictions, what we're seeing currently, sort of the tra- trajectory of the country over the last uh, 20 plus years. And I would invite everybody to go take a listen to that episode. And then honestly, give us your thoughts. Love to hear from you guys. Reach out at Craig at com or jack at the dominion group.com. Send us both some comments or just comment anywhere you might in either YouTube or on the platform. So Jack, um, today, uh, really love to have a discussion about, um, Short-term rentals, the emergence of the market, um, sort of the players within the market, uh the whys of why we think it became such a such a thing uh really very quickly and overnight, um, and um you know where it's going, the ups and the downs. And uh so let's just jump in, man. Um I'll let you I'll let you start on this one. So yeah.
1: Yeah, so the short-term rental, you know, I would say now industry um has really emerged over the past 15 years um i think airbnb was started in 2008 around that time frame the idea at the time being uh you know kind of the, the, one of the big uh trends in tech was that to, to find anything that was on craigslist and cool. uh, you know put tech or put a tech packaging around it and automate it so that people could do it on a more platform basis rather than going to craigslist and um so uh couch surfing was which was a thing on craigslist back in the day turned into uh short term you know the short term rental business where you know which it started with if you have an extra bedroom you could you know bring someone in and offer them a place a cheap place to to stay at night um but then as the consumer got used to that idea and that Mm -hmm. didn't become such a weird issue and you know the security concerns people just got over it um it became a great way to get very high rent per square foot um, on either a nightly basis or for for longer stays as well. And so, you know, entrepreneurs have kind of taken that uh, six ways from Sunday in terms of uh, niche models uh, to be able to increase the rent per square foot that they are getting uh, with some additional operating load, right? Like there's more operations to a three-day lease, than there is to a 12 month lease for obvious reasons. Um, but given the extra rent per square foot that you can get, it's been a very, very profitable um, strategy for, for a lot of investors. And, and some folks have kind of used it as a strategy, you know, an, an arrow in the quiver uh, for a particular situation. They may have, you know, 30 properties and three of those are Airbnbs or VRBOs. Um, and, uh, and other folks have made it an entire business model where they're almost hoteliers really, right? They're really Is there any of...
0: significance different significant difference Jack between Airbnb and VRBO? I'm sure there is. I think that the Airbnb market generally
1: is just marketing to a, a younger audience than VRBO. I think VRBO tends to be uh, it was it was t- t- tends to have an older um, demographic to it. I think less investors are on using the uh, the VRBO platform. Um, so, the, the, you know, so the, the data around this has actually gotten really interesting. Um, there is even now a, a very popular data company called AirDNA.com or .co, sorry, that um, uh, says that they monitor all of the short term rental sites and can give you a, a sense of what's going on in the market in real time. Um, because you know that's a, a pretty heterogeneous market. You know, properties come off the market, you know, come on and come off based off of uh, just you know, frankly, owner preferences as to when they want to put stuff up there. So the supply and demand, trying to figure out the supply and demand dynamic for a particular submarket for given the the unique offerings of your property, uh, is a tough uh, is a tough lift. It's a, it's a heavy lift, and so AirDNA tries to uh, to help folks do that uh, do that better. Um, so, and, and then when COVID hit, uh, th- I think, you know, the, the industry got a, a, you know, got a huge burst of, of, uh, interest because folks were looking to, it was a, it was a way to, you know, to vacation without going too far. Um, and the, uh, the traveling nurses became, uh, you know, a theme and, you know, a thing and, investment oh, uh, theme at that. Yeah. And then real estate investors responded to that. You know, you could rent your rent your place for a month or two or three months, and so that was kind of a nice in between, right? You didn't have to be super hands on and like getting a phone call at eleven o'clock at night from a from somebody who was you know concerned because the heat wasn't working um, on a, you know on a Friday night, right? You could at least get like a two month lease out of uh, out of somebody who was just in the area for um, for work.
0: And so- generally, generally at a at a much higher uh, return. Um, or rent than you would if you were to get, you know, a market-based tenant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think we've seen like, you know, tremendous, a tremendous amount of creative strategies uh, for real estate entrepreneurs who have created very special properties to get premium rents. Uh, And, um, and there's some extremely talented entrepreneurs that have really kind of come on the scene in the past, you know, five years, three years, specifically um, around this business model. Uh, Now it's, there's an argument that it's, you know, from a risk point of view, it's not pure residential, right? Because these are not 12-month leases. folk. You know, these are vacation rentals. So it's a bit more in the hospitality realm yeah. than it is purely resi. And yeah. so with that comes some different risks than kind of your core resi. And so, you know, given the kind of the macroeconomic environment they're in right now, uh, there are some concerns about the short-term rental, uh, business. There's, uh, been a lot of articles that I've seen headlines saying Airbnb, you know, Airbnb bust question mark to get you to click. Um, so there are, but there are some, you know, there are some concerns as to, you know, going into the next 12 months, what, um, how that business model is going to do. Is it going to hold up? Um, so Craig talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing
0: yeah man. um, well, you know before we get into sort of where it's going and and the people talking about the crash and the bust of airbnb one of the things that I think has always concerned me about that evolution of it is it it started exactly the way you said it did it was. You know, hey, I got an extra room in my house or I got a basement and I can put somebody down the basement. And while that feels a little crappy, uh, you know, I could use the money. And man, the the money that I could get for that is it's pretty insane. And I think you're right. There was initially that stigma. At least I certainly was like, I would never do that. And then it and then it just becomes a thing where, well, it's uh, it's perfectly acceptable now. And uh, I actually knew (laughs) I knew a woman once in uh, Arizona, funny story, Jack, that uh, she she needed some money and she was out of work and she decides she's going to do an Airbnb. She's going to purchase an Airbnb. What she didn't tell me was, she said, I, I'm very excited. I just got my first Airbnb customer and I think they're going to stay for like close to a month. I'm so excited. And I said, well, that's fantastic. Tell me about the house. She goes, it's the house that I live in. And I said where are you going to live and she said i'm i'm going to go take my camper out to the middle of arizona and live in my camper with my two dogs and i'm like that's not a business plan that's not that's not how Airbnb, that's not the strategy like so i think that uh airb the the um in terms of sophisticated operators And uh, versus not sophisticated operators and sort of the evolution of Airbnb evolved into this thing that I find a little bit alarming. Um, In fact, I was just at a house uh, just two weeks ago, Jack, where um, I was. uh, Well, I won't say why I was there, but 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 this house was literally in the middle of, um, you know, a county neighborhood here in Maryland, it, this is we, 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 I wasn't on the eastern shore where uh, Ocean City, Maryland is. I wasn't up in the mountains where Deep Creek Lake is. This was not a vacation setting. This was you know a white collar neighborhood house just sitting in the middle of nowhere. and this guy who was, I was speaking with was going to Airbnb it. and I said to myself, "Who wants to stay here? Why would I want to stay in this house?" Why would I want to rent this house when I could, you know, for a short term? And that's what I find was this evolution that I fu- that I saw as sort of a little bit alarming. That like people, the you know the these these folks would go buy houses just sort of anywhere, and assume just because they threw it up on the Airbnb platform that it was going to be rented for you know four hundred dollars a night. In fact, that may be true. But I don't see the big market of hey I'm just some Joe Schmo and I need uh, and I need a big market of houses located in any neighborhood I always looked at the at the model as it was a room or it was uh you know maybe a house near a college or uh you know something like that and that was the I guess you know maybe you could speak to that in terms of how it evolved into something far more than just a vacation platform or houses near vacation areas, houses in high demand areas.
1: Yeah. So I I think that, you know, it started off as like very like the lowest hanging fruit is that, you know, it's, you know, it's a minor inconvenience for you to rent out a room and you get some, some pocket change. And then you, then as a business model, you're really starting to compete with hotels, right? Which is one of the reasons that there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of pushback. From um, from cities, oh, particularly, yeah, you know, in their inherent hotel industries, the incumbent hotel industries that are there, because it, it is competition for them, absolutely. Um, and uh, I mean, I you know, I got to the point where I think you know, five years ago, I just stopped staying in hotels. Like I was just, it's just, yeah. you know, when they when I got used to the experience, like you got a more unique product, at the same or cheaper price, um, and so you know, from my own firsthand experience, I was certainly you know it, it changed my consumption behavior um relative to to hotels yeah, and then, at what
0: point at what point Jack did we say you know i instead of saying in this nice hotel i think i'd rather go stay in someone's house um i think it became that way when people when people stopped using their houses as airbnbs these houses were purchased solely as hotels right like yeah. as yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: as real estate entrepreneurs go, right? Like we pushed that, we pushed that idea and, you know, and then it got into, you know, into, uh, uh vacation rental markets, right? The beach lakes, mm-hmm. you know, but the mountains that all made sense, right? Like there's no hotel in the mountains, but you can you know run a hotel business because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a relaxing place to go. There was an obvious draw and then covid hit and then the, the, the traveling nurse's idea became more and more popular and just people just wanted to get out of their house for a little while so that 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 you know pushed a little bit further and then more and more fi- financing came into the market uh, facilitating all of those really smart you know totally logical great business ideas entrepreneurial business ideas and then but of course as humans do we push it we and we push it to ex- you know things to their extreme and so, you know, kind of, I think with the popularity of that and the fact that there were so many people talking about all this money that they made uh, doing short-term rentals, then they tried to just, you know, to, um, to a hammer, everything's a nail, right? So when you get excited about a particular strategy, you just want to apply it absolutely everywhere. And, you, and then we take it to, we probably, and I think we've probably taken it a little too far at this point yeah. to, to uh-huh. exactly what you just described.
0: I I you know how many times have you heard I only have to rent this thing out four nights out of thirty to make my mortgage payment and it you know the thing everything after that is just pure cash flow, yeah that's all good when you're when you've got a vacation market with high demand, uh you know that that really nice product my wife and I have stayed in some unbelievable Airbnbs but I'm not going down to Prince George's County Maryland in you know some neighborhood for vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wonder about these, about the business plan, Jack, of those type of folks who, you know, uh, would would the house make a, just a better rental, long-term rental? Or would it have been a better deal if they purchased it, rehab, and sold it? And I find that there are a lot of folks out there who did not buy vrbo's or airbnbs in these high demand vacation areas which are which by the way we'll talk about in a minute jack how many of those areas are seeing steep declines in revenue and in demand but um yeah man i I, i'd ask you to maybe consider that jack how many of those you know guys out there are in these sort of residential neighborhoods that really don't really make much sense as a short-term rental
1: yeah i think i think you know Get rich, you know. Super high rent per square foot means hey, I you know makes you think hey, I can I can make a lot of money really quick. Get rich quick schemes attract knuckleheads. Knuckleheads <laughs> don't do diligence on economics and running yeah. a, you know a, an, running something as an actual business. And we've got we've and we have had a financing environment that that is not screened for that idea. Um, yeah. And so I think that there has been. To probably you know not enough diligence on the financing side to screen out um, short-term rental as the business model. Um, There's been some. I mean, there's been some c- certain. I would say for like the DSCR loans that we do, short-term rental is an eligible is an eligible product for yeah. some of the loan purchasers, but not for all. And yeah. and everyone's got their their take on what the appropriate overlays are um, for that. Um,
0: Talk about that. Like, I'm a guy, I go out, and, uh, you know, it's let's say four years ago, pre pandemic. I go find a house. I want to turn it into a uh, short term rental. How am I getting financing? And what did the financing look like back then? Pre pandemic? Pre pandemic? Yeah, yeah. Pre pandemic, it was tough. Um, what for- would it look like? I think you
1: were going to your local bank and your local bank had his eyebrow raised at you. Cause he'd maybe had stayed in one, one time, but didn't really consider it like a business yet. Um, for me, and so the- was
0: it, were, were you, were you getting financing just like, Hey, it's an investment house. This is our investment loan. You know, maybe not asking about the business plan on it. He just saw it more as a rental than a yeah. short-term rental.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think people, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a rental property. And then if you went and you chose to go do some short-term rental, like, Hey, have fun with that! Like, oh, got I mean, a better
0: idea, right? Like, yeah, I'm I am not going to in on you, right? You know? Right, exactly.
1: But, and so people just went and did it, but then more and more did it, and then more and more said, "Hey, here is what I am doing. Look, you know, look how smart I am. This is the business plan that I am going to go do." Um, when did when did the
0: loan product sort of become available, Jack? I would say yeah, that, that was like
1: late twenty twenty. Really, it's really kind of a 2021 thing. I would say probably first quarter of 2021, short-term rentals became explicitly eligible under in DSCR loans. And then, so
0: so explain what that looked like. What Um, what did that like? Give us a typical scenario. Guy comes, he's got a four hundred thousand dollar house. You know, maybe needs some rehab. Um, You know, what's he bringing to the table? What were the rates back then? Why did it work so well? Why did why did the guys who buy up the DSCR loans, um, why were they like really excited about the product?
1: I, I think in the beginning of 2021, Wall Street was generally skeptical of short-term rental, but it was, hey, if you want to go do that, that's fine, but we're going to underwrite the DSCR loan based off of the 12-month market rent. I see. Um, and I think that that still tends to be the... Um, the predominant, like the, the fallback position, but it's, but it's become, there's, there's been a little bit of a wave to it. It got more and more and more aggressive throughout the course of 2021. Interest rates were incredibly low. Real estate was going up. Um, And and because of the dynamics in the world at the time, short-term rental operators were having great success. So you didn't Hmm. see, you only heard stories about how everyone was killing it, doing short-term rentals. There wasn't any down, didn't feel like there was much downside to it. Um, as long as, you know, again, there was some like logic to the location as to why this was a, a short-term rental property and not just some house in some subdivision, you know? Um, Man. but then coming into 2022, uh, as interest rates started to increase and the world started to perceive, you know, then the industry started to perceive that there's more risk in the world. And as soon as the people started to talk using the R word recession, yeah. um, as soon as recession became part of the vocabulary of the forecast, the economic forecast, uh, a number of loan purchasers eliminated short-term rentals altogether and just said, Hey, it's an oper It's an operational business. We really, we're not, you know, we, we think that the world's going to be, you know, ho- hotels are highly volatile businesses in a recession, mm-hmm. you know, um, hospitality industry doesn't do as well. This is really hospitality and we just want to do 12 month resi. Um, you know, we're, we're, we want out of this.
0: So um, hold on. So can I stop you right there? Mm-hmm. Um, so if a guy comes in or guy or gal comes in and they say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm a big Airbnb person. Uh, you're, you're literally walking away from the loan at that point. Because, because certain servicers, I guess, are walking away at that point.
1: Yeah. Certain loan purchasers just decided that just wasn't an area they wanted to be in. They didn't frankly care who, you know, who dealt with it, I, just not so with that, my money. you know.
0: Yeah. That leads me to the question of, so if I'm a guy who's buying up Airbnbs, if I'm an operator, why would I walk into you and say, hey, I'm using this as a short-term rental? Why wouldn't and, I just say it's a rental?
1: And a lot of people started to do that. I think a lot of short-term rental operators got wise to the idea that it wasn't as popular anymore, and they stopped talking about it, stopped bragging about it so much. They kept mm. doing it, but um, they they started talking about it less. Um, sure, then I think AirDNA really became an industry standard and an underwriting tool, like an accepted underwriting tool. Um, this is probably late twenty-one, early twenty-two, so kind of mm. in, in the middle there. Uh, mm. And so, other loan purchasers though uh, started using overlays like the AirDNA report to substantiate the idea that this wasn't a knucklehead Airbnb, that this was, you know, in a, you know, in an area that had significant demand for this for that for that product for that service. Sure. Um, and they charged a premium for, uh, somebody who has had short-term rental as a business model, for example, and, and, you know, show me your trailing 12 operating statements. We're still going to get a market rent determination of what the 12 month rent would be so that we can kind of like put belt and suspenders on the underwriting. Um, and then I think that, uh, and and the and so there's been kind of the market's been kind of in in between right there. You can still get a short term rental uh a loan secured by a short term rental property. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to have operating statements. Sometimes you're charged a little bit more. I'd say it's become a thinner
0: market. How can you have operating statements if you're going to purchase the thing? You have to you're you're I'm talking about a refi. Yeah. If, oh it's if, all refi? If you already owned it. Yeah. Yeah. I see. So you can't. So in some cases, you can't get that loan unless you have, a, unless it's a refi and you've got some
1: sort of history in the place. Uh, yeah, or they'll make other adjustments if you don't. Like if you have twelve year, twelve months of operating statements, they'll be more aggressive than if you don't. They'll still do the loan, but on slightly more conservative terms. I see.
0: Yeah. What's the premium, Jack, for the, a, a loan that is a short term rental? I think it got
1: to as high as fifty basis points of rate but today i don't there there are a couple loan purchasers who have once again gotten comfortable with it and for high fico borrowers there's no premium to uh the fact that it's a short term rental mm. um, so so it's it's interesting in that some loan purchasers have shunned it altogether other purchasers have perceived it as a slightly higher risk product and other purchasers uh, loan purchasers are are totally fine with it Um, so I think, you know, given the, given that we haven't seen that model truly stress, uh, stress tested in the Mm -hmm. past, right? Like the only stress test we had during the Airbnb, um, you know, the, the short-term rental, uh, industry was COVID, which like accelerated everything, right? So there's Mm -hmm. no real stress test. We haven't gone through a recession, you know, since, uh, short-term rentals have become a thing. And so the, the jury's out is the point, right? The jury's out on as to how this is going to per, uh, perform. There's folks who think that it's going to perform like, you know, much closer to single family rentals, which is, which are generally rents are very resilient, even in a downturn. And yeah. there's other folks who think that these are hotels and that that's going to be a high beta, high risk, higher risk uh, model. And that um, you should be underwriting them much more like a hotel than uh uh, a single family property.
0: So, you know, based on uh, uh you know, your knowledge of the market, how many of these people given, you know, a downturn in sort of the hotel model, you know, I'm going to rent this thing out for uh, you know, 10 nights a, a month and I'm going to make my cash flow, make significant cash flow off of that. Let's say that model we we see a downturn in that. How many of these people based on their all-in price and sort of the cost of, of the mortgage each month, um, their, their costs, how many of them have a viable model if they have to go to long-term rental based on long-term rental rates? I think
1: generally speaking, um, g- generally speaking, the loans were underwritten as if with, with that kind of like belt and suspenders approach that if they have to pivot to a long-term rental They can Mm -hmm. still make in theory they can still make their debt service payment um so if if, now the question is do they personally does their personal financial situation survive if they're living off of this idea right like if they're still making their car payment and their home mortgage payment you know the personal residence payment off of this and then they have a bad turnover and two months uh you know a couple bad turnovers and two months of of light vacancy does that you know did they did they they have enough savings to go through uh, a, a quiet spell and this past no. summer was that for a lot of people it was a speak to
0: that what 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 do you mean what did it look like well
1: it was a t- it was a tougher summer from a from an occupancy point of view and from a rates point of view it was fa- uh it was far it was not as um robust luberative. yeah exactly not as robust as it was a year ago at the same time and are you speaking
0: I, are you speaking jack in um Vacation markets or just in general
1: I think in general, I think there was been there was more short term rentals that hit the market, so there was more supply um from that perspective at a t- point in time where people were a little um less uh eager from a consumer spending point of view. they were vacationing less, spending yeah. less money on their vacations um <laughs> more you know staying you know more staying in their houses less just you know going off to you know hey, I need a need a weekend away. Um, and that all cumulatively led to, uh, led to much lower occupancy and daily rates on short-term rentals than, than previously experienced.
0: Which Um, I have to believe put downward pressure on, uh, rent asking prices as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so obviously like this is an
1: Uber local, like micro, like Airbnb is like a micro market thing, right? You could have like, if you have the most special property in, you know, some random place, Hey, you could have a phenomenal occupancy rate and. And, uh, and daily rate. But, you know, you could be around the corner with a not so special property and like get, you know, and just get crickets.
0: So, yeah, you know, you and I talk about that all the time. I think a lot of what we talk about here on the podcast is, you know, when you paint with a broad brush, real estate is still very local until it's not. And, um, you know i i think that the same could be said for many markets around the country that like it's real hot in one place and then not so hot in another we're going to talk about that in a second but man i think there's um there's a in the time that we have left you know there's two things that i i i find interesting about the time that we're in right now and particularly the short term market if you ask any investor around the country including yourself it's a tough time to be finding deals it's a tough time to be finding inventory to either add as rent to your rental portfolio or to add as a potential flip you know and make some quick quick money off of speak to guys all the time that are like man when is inventory gonna loosen up and i was uh doing some research and we talked about robert kiyosaki in the last one he sent out a tweet september 6th it said airbnb to lead the real estate market crash if you want a new home your happy days are around the corner, Jack. Same for rental properties. The best time to get rich is in a crash. Good luck. And so basically, you know, I, I think that, you know, that that led me to uh, go down a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of why is he saying this and what is he saying that we're not? And um, so uh, if you check the show notes for today, uh, I would ask anybody to go out and take a look who's interested in reading more. Um, I did some research and uh, Redfin put out a pretty bu- pretty good-sized report. And, you know, Redfin, obviously, Jack, no slouch in the market. Uh, I think they probably do some pretty good research. They did a report called Demand for Vacation Homes is Down More Than 50% from Pre-Pandemic Levels. And they gave the top 10 cities around the country where we are seeing... A significant downturn in uh, demand and uh, revenue. Uh, Sevierville, Tennessee, which is uh, a vacation town, is number one. Uh, maybe I should. Jack, do you like going from from ten to one or from one to ten? I'm a ten to one guy. Let, now okay. that I've given it away, we, I'll never do that again. Ten to one from here on out. We always go big. The, you know, the the opposite direction. So, Sevierville, Tennessee, vacation market down forty seven percent year over year. You've got Phoenix, Arizona down 47% year over year. Austin, Texas, Myrtle Beach, San Antonio, Asheville, North Carolina, Salisbury, Maryland, Jack, Mm. our hometown. Don't know why anybody would want a vacation there, but okay. Nashville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, Breckenridge, Colorado. All down an average of 40% year over year. Now, if I'm an operator in that space, Jack, I don't know how they make the numbers work at that point if they're down forty to fifty percent. Yeah, well, I mean, but the the rent per square
1: foot was so high that being down forty percent could still be better than your monthly rental rate, right? Like long term well, rental rate. Yeah, than your long term rental rate. And I think that was you know that so you know that that's the TBD on like you know how this is gonna how this is gonna fall out or, or you know pl- play itself play itself out. Like those super high performing markets, you know, like Austin, like you, you could get a When I went to visit Austin, I would just get a I would get a condo, one of these Airbnb condos. There was a whole building, and it was nothing but condos, and there was like ninety percent Airbnbs. Yeah, and it was nicer than the nicer than the hotels, better better centrally located. And those people were getting like insane. Like I was, you know, I was paying like three hundred bucks a night to stay in one of these things, where the (laughs) monthly rent for that place would have been two grand. You know, like sure, seven eighteen hundred two grand. So like they're, and you know, and they're doing very high occupancy rates. Like they're just murdering it from a cash flow point of view, even down 40%, they may be fine. You know, like, um, I think that there's, so I think there's, you know, going to be a big distinction between the markets. Now that said, that's a different set of scenario. That's a different fact pattern than the one that you were talking about where the guys like where someone's just trying to like, you know, to every, to every, uh, to every, ha- to a hammer, everything's a nail, right? Where they're just trying to like short-term rental, freaking everything, because they're just like, hey, I can get three times my uh, my rent per square foot if I do it as a short-term rental,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: even if it's down forty percent, I'll be fine. And they're just wrong, right? Like, no, you're 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 going to be down eighty percent actually, because there's nothing interesting about your property, and in any kind of like, um, you know, adverse environment, your house is the first one to not get rented. That guy you know he, he's the walking dead right that's t b d uh, as to whether he makes it through the winter
0: yeah exactly and 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 if that guy's got five or six of those things and two of them go vacant, he's not gobbling up any cash flow that he has on the other three, and he's hemorrhaging. Um, and we've seen that play out the way that plays out pretty quickly, Jack. That's like strike one, strike two, and strike three comes pretty quickly after that because he ain't reaching in his pocket very long because he doesn't have much to reach into. And um, I think that that is what the Kiyosakis of the world are saying, that, like, there's your inventory. You and I talked about this the other night, Jack, where if you're looking for opportunity, you know, I would make a list of all airbnbs in my town and go after those guys as potential uh you know, hey is this the time you might be interested in selling mm-hmm. i don't know how much equity you got there but uh i'm i'm buying for pennies on the dollar if you are yeah i i agree and and i think
1: uh part of his uh his comment was talking about just first time or not first time home buyers but just home buyers in general right like that inventory is going to get stressed or may get stressed operationally. Has been stressed. Mm. It's probably going to continue to be stressed operationally. So if mm-hmm. you're looking for any motivation in the world, um, you know that that may be the place to get it. Even folks who got very cheap mortgages in you know the post-COVID environment, um, where you know it's painful for them, they you know they prefer not to pay off a four percent mortgage. But if they have a bunch of equity there and they're not, and not they're now no longer. Getting as much cash flow, or they're just tired of operating, right? Because it's an operational business. It's Absolutely. It's it's you know much more operationally intensive than running a single a twelve month rental you know single family rental business. So yeah. w- also, I think there's just going to be folks who just
0: get tired of working, tired of you know dealing with phone calls. Um, yeah, when they find when they find out that their that their projections and their their rosy their get rich quick scheme is probably not as easy as they thought it would be, and it's just a I job. Yeah, what? I just think there's a lot of like low-level. I wouldn't even call them operators. These are these are hobbyists. These are people that have a, a side hustle in a in a market in an asset class that is not a side hustle. You right. cannot, uh, you know, you cannot run a hotel as a side hustle, right. um, with the cleaning, with the grass, with all of those things that come along with short-term tenants that tear the place up you know i think that that's one of those things where people bet wrong when they thought it was going to be an easy side hustle and those are the ones jack that fall out the quickest and that's where the the opportunity i think will be for for guys who are ready to pick up the pieces there
1: yeah and and those people those people can clean the property up and list it and sell it to a homeowner and though they prefer not to pay off their 4% mortgage, it's not like their personal residence where they like, they need a place to live and there's nowhere to go, right? Like for them, it's just an investment. And, you know, and, you know, and tapping the equity versus it's just a, Hey, how much cash can I get for the house today? Versus how much cash do I get each year, you know, offset by the work that I have to do to get that cash flow. And so it's much more of a, it's much more of a rational economic decision than an emotional one that, That people who are thinking about selling as their primary residence have to go through
0: yeah i i'm sorry to interrupt um the uh i think there's a lot more people out there jack that weren't smart enough to get all the cash that they had in these things out you know um either they spent it or hey, I I, I know I can borrow up to this much, but I got to rehab this place. They probably weren't a great rehabber, so they went over budget and they've got a significant amount of of their own capital tied up in the place. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means in terms of, um, you know, uh, I guess the, you know, the, the viability, the opportunity to come swoop in and take it. But I think those are the people who get very tired very quickly. I've got my money in this thing. I can't get it out. I got this crazy mortgage on the thing. I can't pay it because I'm not. I'm not getting the rents that I hope I were, and that is the guys who tend to fall out the fastest. I'll take a loss. Hey man, I had fifty grand of my own money tied up in this thing. You know, whatever. I can just walk away and be done with it. It was a. It was. It was a thing that didn't work out. You know, we saw a lot of that back in the two thousand seven, eight, nine, ten time period. I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see similar things there. You know, where people have a lot of cash tied up in these things that they're just willing to walk away from. Something that I'm something that I'm curious about is that
1: I think that what you just said is absolutely correct. And the, but in those markets, those tend to be kind of like the high flyer, high beta markets where like hmm. big ups and big downs. Like your, hmm. your second homes, for example, like during COVID, second home prices went up tremendously. Also, demand for Airbnb went up tremendously, and so there's a lot of Airbnb operators in those areas that are also have a lot of um, second homes, which, you know, not surprising, right? Vacation areas. But when that Airbnb operator says, you know, throws in the towel and says, hey, I just want to get out of this thing. the That market is weaker, much weaker, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like oh, yeah. luxury, second homes, you know, a, you know, below, a little bit, but below luxury, like affordable down here from a risk point of view, right? Like which mar- sure. markets fall first. So mm-hmm. like, if you're getting ready to sell your, you know your um your house that's a mile, you know it's 2 miles from the beach you know you were operating as a short term rental and you just don't want to do it anymore those sellers could find themselves putting inventory into a market where there's just no bid and now you're continuing to pay that mortgage but you don't have the short term rental income cuz you took the thing off the market cuz you wanted to get you know showings with a, with a listing. Keep it clean shop.
0: right right
1: so yeah so and you know so th- in those areas you could find yourself people are, are really catching a falling knife where they they list the property. They, they throw in the towel at the same time that everybody else throws the towel in. Right. And now we've just yep. got like, you know, a year and a half of inventory sitting there
0: on the market. Well, it's funny you should bring that up, Jack, because there are uh and I'm going to go 10 to 1 this time, not 1 to 10. Uh, the, we'll talk about some some areas of the country where we're seeing some fairly steep price declines already. Uh, in some of these areas, Jack, down to pre pandemic lows. So back to where they back to where the prices were for the asset prior to the pandemic and the, you know, the meteoric rise. So we've got uh number ten, Boise, Idaho down uh let me see if I've got the actual statistics here. Is this a short term uh, rental list or is this the markets markets period? Market and per- market in general. But mm-hmm. but I think uh
1: There's a so correlation. These, but these
0: yeah. I think that there's, I don't have the story here in front of me, but they were trying to make a correlation between sort of inventory price declines and, uh, you know, some of the, uh, a fair amount of the inventory coming on as a, as a result of rentals that are coming onto the market. Dallas, Texas, you know, probably one of the hottest economies in the country, but their housing market right now is seeing some, some, a lot. So not only price declines, but, um, people putting their houses on the market and then taking price reductions that I think we're actually seeing around the, around here as well, Jack, where we are. Number eight, Sarasota, Florida, one of the, one of the, you know, high flyers, uh, during the pandemic with everybody moving to Florida, uh, incidentally, Pensacola is also on the list at number three, Sevierville, Tennessee, which I mentioned, Nashville, Tennessee, Phoenix, Arizona, um, so revenue down 14% in tennessee but projected this is short term revenue jack down 14% but projected for this year down 32% uh nashville tennessee is seeing the largest downturn in their luxury with big big price cuts happening uh mentioned san antonio pensacola no shocker san francisco at number 2 and then austin texas you know really tough market right now in the country at number 1 for price cuts I just uh,
1: I just financed a short term rental through a DSCR loan a two point four million dollar gorgeous house in Pensacola Pensacola that was being operated as a short term rental, and the person's going to continue to operate it as a short term rental. Uh, I mean, gorgeous water, you know, oceanfront property,
0: right on the beach type thing,
1: right on the beach. Yeah, sick. Like it's really nice. You know, um,
0: and 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 when you think about that, like if I, I so I have no idea what the what the weekly rent would be there. I, I shudder to think. But that might be one of those ones, Jack, where yes, it is luxury. And yes, there is a, you know, kind of a niche market for that. It's a great location. It's not that house that's just sitting sort of in the middle of nowhere. It's yeah. That one where we say it's location specific. If you want to stay on the beach, there's only so much of that. So, okay, why not? Um, but what are your feelings on that now?
1: It's is is $20,000 a month. That was the uh, that was the market rent for it. Um, I was when, when, curious, when will we was be doing the house.
0: podcast from there?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I was yeah, yeah I just happened so, to be curious. So yeah, I mean, those are still viable markets, right? There's a ton of that, like the Outer Banks in North Carolina is like that's become a short term, you know, that that whole place is a short term rental market. It already was, really. Yeah, it's just gotten more and more sophisticated.
0: Well, not, but it, it's gotten more and more sophisticated. It's gotten more and more saturated mm-hmm. um, by less sophisticated operators. That's fair. Look, I've been staying in the Outer Banks of North Carolina for the past 15, 20 years. And when I first started staying there, you were renting from a very large property management company who probably was one of two or three on the entire island. Now I'm renting from like Uncle John, who's got like, you know, the VRBO one house. And he's, you know, psyched because he thinks he can get it rented up while he's not down there right and that's and that was his hope too, because he ain't he doesn't have the money to pay the mortgage when the place isn't getting rented up so um you know let's we got about three minutes here. any last thoughts on sort of the airbnb market or the short term rental market, we should say, and where that might present some opportunities and or pitfalls
1: yeah i mean i I think that people are watching that market, we're watching that market because I think that it is since it is the most operationally intensive aspect of single family real estate investing, mm-hmm. that if we are going to see fallout from operators, right? Like, I feel like that, that's part of my, you know, mental model is that whether it's multifamily or single family, you're going to see cracks in the bad operators. They're the, you're, they're going to be the ones who throw in the towel first, mm-hmm. You know maybe there's a macro wave that hits everybody or even, or, you know, a macro wave that hits everybody, doesn't show itself all at the same time the worst operators throw in the towel first the Mm -hmm. best operators throw in the towel never or last right so i'm always looking for for cracks right anecdotes frankly um so to the extent that any of you guys listening have anecdotes about this these these topics i'm super interested in those stories but i'm watching the short-term rental specifically Uh, Because it's the most operationally intensive. So one would expect that if there are bad operators, and there are, right, there's always bad operators in every market, Um, that we'll start to see those stories play out first. And that'll be the canary in the coal mine for what may be a larger trend, what may lead to a larger opportunity. And so yeah. um, that's why we're paying specific attention to that area of the business, because I think it's kind of kind of the canary in the coal mine, if if and when there's going to be some larger waves of of distress and therefore corresponding opportunities.
0: It's a lot of inventory, man, that that uh, is out there in that market. And so you're absolutely right that. You know the bad operators will will obviously bubble up to the top the quickest, and I'm anxious to see, like you said, will it be sort of a wave or will it be a trickle? Mm-hmm. Um, but there is just a tremendous amount of oper- of, of, of of inventory in that space. And so um, we'll only see how it plays out over the next 12 to 24 months. But I think it will be an interesting time for sure, especially if we start to see some recessionary times where, you know, people just aren't, aren't going out and staying in short-term rentals, frankly. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, yeah lively discussion. I would actually look forward to having more discussion on this where we might maybe brought in some guests who are you know are, who are either operators in that market or analysts in that market though I think that would be a really interesting discussion to have, and so we'll do that hopefully in the future. but anything else, Jack? no I enjoyed the conversation. I think it's topical. it's
1: something we're paying a lot of attention to, so hope everyone got value out of these ideas.
0: Yeah, man. Let us know your comments. I'm at Craig at craigfewer.com. Jack is at, at com. You've been listening to Real Investor Radio. Thanks so much for taking the time. We'll talk to you next time.